Trusting with Carrie Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. I am long come back from the BFFI show. As I'm now the new editor of the Fly Fishing Journal, we had a stand there, and what a great show it was. Not only was it good for the journal, I really enjoyed meeting so many new faces, especially the new patrons I've got. I met so many over the weekend, and it was nice to put a face to the name. Really enjoyed it. And even though the new post of being the editor is going to take a lot of my time, I'm still passionate about doing my podcast. And who's actually at the show, I meet my guest for the first time. We've been in touch many times about meeting up, but one thing led to another and we didn't actually get around to it. So as soon as I come back, I give him a message and recorded this podcast. So this week's guest hails from South Yorkshire and is quite a wizard when it comes to casting. And I don't think Harry Potter will be able to put a line out as well as he does. As well as being a qualified casting instructor, he talks of his guided trips to Iceland. And also about his new Facebook group which he set up, Spayworks, giving advice for all types of fly fishing, plus a funny story which he had a lucky escape from and could easily have been locked up in prison while fishing in Dubai. Welcome to my chat with Chris Haig. Welcome to my podcast, Chris, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, it's really nice. It was really nice to catch up with you at BFFI at weekend, and uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been meaning to do it for a while, and uh, it's great to chat. It was, wasn't it? And as always, when you're at the show, you know, you're on a stand, and like I was on the stand of the Fly Fishing Journal, and it's like, it's so busy, and you want to speak to different people, and then, it's and when you when I saw you then I thought right I, I need to chat to you and you were busy yourself and then so as <laughs> soon as I came back home then I thought I've got to give you a message but it was great to catch up because I your name have come up in conversations with many people over the last year or two especially and uh, yeah. it was good finally to put a face to a name yeah yeah no it was uh, it was good to see you it was nice to see you so you've done many shows. I know I'm looking at your page and that. And have you ever done the BFFA? No, uh, it's not a show that I've done. In fact, that's the first time I've ever been to it. And uh, it were big numbers at that show on Saturday. Uh, there were some demos, and I saw a few, obviously, Mackenzie's had a stand up. Uh, so I spent quite a bit of time there. But I saw it predominantly as more of a fly time there were a big fly time culture there which were it were really good to catch up with some of the fly tires there now but no I, I, overall i was really impressed with it it's not a show that i've done i've tended to do i've demonstrated abroad at london fly fair chatsworth game fairs places like that but it's not one that i've ever done before yeah i remember i went to the show i think it was probably it was over 10 years anyway and it was in um Quite a nice, nice plush hotel then. They had carpet on the floor. And this one, that's the only downside to the BFFI. Uh, great show, not knocking it. But when you're standing there all day, two days, standing on concrete, oh, it draws your feet. My feet was aching at the end of the day. Like. Busy though. Well, it, very busy. It was. And it was bigger than I thought because it was three large rooms, wasn't it? Two for people selling and uh, displaying their products. And then you had then the tyres row. And that was quite a large room on its own as well. Yeah, it were, yeah, there were a lot of tyres. So yeah. uh stopped and talked to one or two that I knew and picked a few tips up. You can always learn something from them guys. I know. And do you know what? Like, I've tied flies since I was a 12-year-old. And then uh, I just gave it up probably about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And yeah. I, just lost it. I just lost the interest in it. And lockdown started me off again. And seeing that some of the tyres there really inspired me. You know, there's something special, some of these people on, on the tyres road there. Just to watch them, it's, it's amazing. I tie out of necessity, so uh, I, I tie all my nymphs up in the winter ready for the trout season, and I'll stop some salmon flies up and things like that, but I just 
so to stop my boxes up and then once that's done kits away for you until until end of season do you know what I mean so it's a winter thing for me yeah. it's not a week it's not a week on week thing you mentioned winter one of the questions I'm going to ask you because I know you fish for different species on the fly did you fish yeah. at all during the winter for grayling or something? yeah 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 I'm always on the grayling I like uh, pike uh, and if I can get away some sunshine somewhere like Dubai oh. the, then queen fish and, and species like that out there is great sport and I know a, a company out there called Ocean Active they're a great company uh, so yeah if I get a chance places like that where you can go and winter fish in sunshine is excellent yeah I like the idea of that because I'm not a great lover of winter fishing I'm more of a I've mentioned it before on the podcast I I like a traditional season, the March 1st, you, you know, you're, you're up for it then. But the idea of fishing in something warm, I'll be well up for that. It's much nicer to be hung off in front of a skiff in Dubai than it is wrapped in 18, <laughs> 18 layers and your waders stood in uh, River Derwent chasing rail and that kind of Yeah, thing. and we're still leaky <laughs> waders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, I love I, I fish for a lot of different species. I've probably, I'm what I do, I fish 12 months a year. Uh, so the uh, salmon, trout, sea trout, grayling, so and then saltwater species, pike, yeah, twelve months a year on fish. So where are you based then? Is Barnsley? Am I right in saying? Yeah, that? I'm based in, in Barnsley in South Yorkshire. So. Uh, so what would be your yeah, local water? So I've got the River Dern that literally runs probably about a mile from a doorstep. River Don is quite near. Uh, them's prob two of them's two of my nearest rivers for trout and grayling, and then I'm a member at Chatsworth House on River Derwent, so I fish there hell of a lot. And then if I'm guiding, I'll guide on the Y, the Don, Dern, or even occasionally on Wharf, on River Wharf. Yeah. So yeah, I've got plenty of rivers to go up within. Within an hour of me, there's plenty of uh, trout rivers. We, we're not we're not spoiled with salmon rivers, but uh, I have to travel a lot further to get to salmon. Yeah, yeah. I noticed, um, like those waters you're saying, they're all rivers. There's predominantly rivers. You do fish. Do you fish any lakes or the reservoirs? Yeah, yeah. If I if I've got clients that come along for lessons, I usually advise them to go to uh, lakes first because there's less going off. You know, moving water. You need a you need a bigger skill set of casts, so I think it's easier for them to cut the teeth on still waters. So occasionally, once they've had a few lessons, I'll get asked, "Can you know? Can you take me and guide me on a still water?" So yeah, I do do still waters, and I've done boat fishing in past at places like Grafton and places like that. But my love is moving water. I love love rivers. So how did it start for you then? Where we were based, where I, where I was born, I literally lived 500 yards from River Duff. We had a canal about 300 yards away from us and a reservoir maybe about 1,000 yards away from us. So I was surrounded by water as a kid. So I'd have fished in a puddle, to be honest. So, yeah, we, we course fished or fished on river and, 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 you know, there were no fly fishing available to us, but... My mum and dad used to take us to his boss's, uh, he had a, uh, like a little uh, villa type thing in Wales, like a cottagey type thing. Oh, yeah. And that's where, I, that's where I fell in love with, in Wales. I saw people fly casting and I just thought it was like an art form and like I was just smitten, that were it. And, and now I'll only ever fish a fly rod. I'll not fish any other species. If I can't get it on a fly, then I'm not, I'm not getting it. There were rods actually in at the place where we stayed, all shoved in, in the roof of the garage, and there were a, a, a river just nearby, and you could see salmon jumping up over oh. rocks, and oh. uh, we and they were in abundance at that time, Kerry. You know, so uh, I probably followed up a few and hooked my first salmon down there, and, and then was smitten by fly fishing. But it was the art form; it was you know watching these guys control this fly line that. I fell in love with. So, how old would you have been then? Uh, ten, was not it? eight. Yeah, between yeah, about ten years old. I would say then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that this brings me on. Then you saying you liked watching them and the art of the actual getting the line out. Mostly yeah. your background. Not so much background. Then your 
your your business then is a casting instructor, yeah? Yeah, so I try to offer all services if I'm if I'm honest, Kelly. So yeah, a certified app guy, single and double handed, uh, with Gaia and then I took my FFI masters, single handed. I took that in USA and I took my double handed masters over here. So as certified as I, as I can go, uh, I became a level three assessor and an international ambassador for FFI as well. But what the services I offer is I'll, I'll give individual lessons, group workshops, obviously demos, guided days, destination trips, and uh, mentoring. So mentoring other people to become instructors. So I try to offer a full package if I get somebody that comes along they can start the lessons with me. They can have a guided day with me. If they want to do a destination trip, that's fine. If they want to be mentored to be a you know a professional instructor, they can be. So yeah, I try to offer the full all the services. So before we actually go on to where you teach and um, your trips, which you do, explain to me because there are quite a few of the you mentioned them. Then these qualifications you got the Gaia, FFI, APGAI. What is the difference to them then? If you look at the exams themselves, there's, there's not a lot of difference in uh, in what they're asking you to do. The one thing I would say about the FFI is it's internationally recognised as opposed to other, you know, UK based. Uh, if you if I just got up guy and I went to Australia, they probably not even have heard of it, or you know, I wouldn't yeah. be recognised. But if I'm FFI, if you're FFI, it's Fly Fishers International, so you're recognised worldwide. One of the things I like about FFI is to make sure that you stay current. So every five years, I have to go and do a peer performance test to make sure that my single-handed and my double-handed castings still up to you know master's level, so that uh, I can assess people, other people. So they're quite on button with things like that, you know. And I, so, yeah, that's probably the difference, Gary. There's not a lot of difference in between what they ask you to do on exams from AAP guy to Gaia to FFI. Just FFI is internationally recognised. Yeah, yeah. So are you a, a master with the FFI, are you? Yeah, MCI and THCI. So Master Casting Instructor, Single-Handed and TH, Two-Handed Master Casting Instructor. Are they crossover? Say, for instance, you've got um, a certain level with AAP guy. And then you you were thinking right, I get my FFA qualification. Can you jump in somewhere, or you just got to go start again? <clears throat> no, you can you can you can sort of miss the entry level out. So you right. could miss you could miss. There's a, a casting instructor and a masters for each discipline. So you could miss the casting instructor out and go straight to MCI, or miss the uh, CI, uh, THCI, which is two hundred casting instructor out and go to THMCI, and reverse as well. So if you were a member of FFI and you wanted to do the app guy or you wanted to do Gaia, you can miss, if you're certified at Masters, then you can miss the entry level out and take their advanced exam. So where is it you would instruct? Have you got waters where you, if somebody wanted to up your neck of the woods, then say, right, they want to have some instruction? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I get, I've even had people come from abroad for lessons. Uh, you know, people that I've met on uh, FFI events and they've taken my card and travelled from abroad to prepare, you know, to, for some mentoring. Uh, but I'm based at Rotherham at Wentworth. Uh, it's called Wentworth Fisheries, but it's actually a stately home. Wentworth Woodhouse, it's biggest stately home in country. And I've got a lake that's just, I, there's only me who uses it. It's got a submerged jetty. So it's excellent for spear casting off both shoulders. Uh, it's in the prettiest countryside. I've got deer running around. It's, it's a stunning location. So that's where I do all my casting teaching. Uh, I used to do it at a shop called Fly Only, which is local. But they had some casting pools at back of their shop. And they actually uh, lost them. Somebody bought them, filled them in and put a business on there. So when that happened... Obviously, I had to look for new a new place to teach, and I went to uh, to Wentworth Fisheries. Right, there's no trout in there. It's just for demonstration, the casting techniques. Uh, the Lake Carmon has got they use it as a sort of growing big carp on for specimen 
Fantastic Lakes at bottom. The lake below that had a syndicate on it last year and that were a trout fishery. Some guys that will come for lessons, they'll ask if they can stay on, you know, and, uh, and fish. So, uh, yeah, we, we offer that service as well. When it comes to Chatsworth, that's just for your pleasure fishing. You don't uh, instruct them. Yeah. No, no. When, uh, I, when my mum and dad, if we're ever having a ride out on a Sunday, we used to go to Chatsworth. And I always loved Chatsworth. It was, you know, it's such a stunning uh, yeah. place. And rivers, absolutely beautiful. You you, you know, you're going to struggle to find a, a prettier river that, you know, that runs through their grounds. And uh, I got a chance to become a member maybe about five years ago. Uh, so I took it on. That's where I go to clear my head. That's where I'll go and walk bank for miles and miles, pick a pool out, and then uh, maybe you were on infit or wait for fish rising, you know what I mean, and yeah. try and get them on a drive. Is that stock then, or is it purely wild fish? It's uh, wild wild browns, stock rainbow, stock blue. We get a good head of grayling in there this year. We also get barbel and the odd chub. Oh, and some big, I've had, I've had double-figure barbel out of Chatsworth. The river down to Chatsworth. Not, on the, so, not yeah. on the fly, though, no? Yeah, yeah. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, took it on a nymph. Got it on a nymph and uh, on a three-weight rod with about three-pound line. So you weren't targeting and them. They just happened to come along, I guess. It, it, were, in a, it were in a swim, and I was just I was fishing for, for trout. And, uh, yeah, I upped it, and I thought, well, this is a lump. And then... <laughs> And then it set off down river, and I was there sprinting down river after it. But yeah. probably about 20, 25 minutes later, I got it to net. Yeah. Talking about Chatsworth, I think, well, not I think, I remember actually, I did a game fair there once. And um, because they have these CLAs, don't they, every year, it's north, south, north, south. And this one particular year, I'm sure it was Chatsworth. And they got a little bridge going over the river, haven't they? Yeah, on the entrance to the house. Yes. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a stunning building, though. I think they've just had all the windows gold-leafed over the last couple of years. Really? And it's some, yeah, yeah. And it's some ridiculous amount, like millions, to have these windows gold-leafed. Oh, you've just got PVC, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot more user-friendly, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed as well, you've um, you got some involvement with Guideline. What's the story there? You're pro-staff or something, you yeah? Uh, I left Guideline last year and I've been with them for 10 years as pro staff. Oh, right. Uh, right. And then I had a load of offers come in and I thought, do I, I'm very busy, Kerry. So I thought, do I need it? Anyway, Scott McKenzie contacted me. He said, I'd like to have a chat with you, Chris. And I says, look, Scott, I don't want to waste your time, but I just, I don't know if I want to just be a pro staff for another company. And I didn't want to be seen carry as somebody that just jumped from brand to brand. I've never done that. I've been loyal. So, well, 10 years with guideline tells you that. So he said, well, are you up in Scotland? I said, I'm up in a couple of weeks fishing. He says, Can, uh, would you mind if we had a meal and I had a chat to you? So uh, went fishing, met him on the evening. We went and had a meal and he said, look, I'm interested in you becoming part of our product development marketing team. So at the stroke advisory capacity. So, uh, yeah, it sort of it, it pricked my attention a little bit, and I'm listen. I'm like a casting junkie. If if I'm not fishing, I've usually got a rod in my hand playing with it, doing some sort uh, you know something with it. So, so yeah, this could be interesting. So yeah, so I I went on board with them last year, and we've been busy. We're doing uh, the new FX tools is out. They'll be they're due to come into country anytime. So our part of that process, uh, Scott, Andrew Tofton, a guy called Ian Kirk, who's been with, they've been together for a long time. They tested rods. They came down to me. I tested them. We all gave us feedback. They went back. There were slight alterations until they got it exactly right. And then new products is due in any time now. So, yeah, exciting things going off. I aimed, actually, to go over and have a chat with him. I never met him. And I thought, right, i got to go and see Scott McKenzie. But he was so busy at the journalist stand, I just couldn't leave. But it was one yeah. of those things. I had so many people I wanted to meet. And it's, it's different being at, a, at the stand and being just a guest, isn't it? Just a punter. You yeah, just, it just, was nice. 
It was nice for me. I obviously spent a bit of time at Stan, but I got a chance to walk around and meet one or two people that I hadn't seen for a while. So it was nice. Well, you say you fished for all different species on the river. Yeah. What's your favourite one? Uh, probably, at this moment in time, I'm leaning towards salmon. I've done a lot of salmon fishing over the last few years. Yeah. But it, goes, it sort of goes in seasons for me, Gary. So I'm sort of grailing pike now. Then when it comes into early season, I'll be on chasing trout. And then I'll flip over to salmon. And then I go to I run a couple of trips into Iceland. So I'll be on salmon for the rest of the year. And hopefully at some point, I'll sneak a, uh, a saltwater trip in. There's just something special about them salmon, king salmon. They don't call them king yeah. salmon. I, I hooked a couple last, well, I had probably about five fish over 15 pounds on West Ranga. And two, in fact, there's a video, they're both on my YouTube channel and they're also on my uh, social media channel. And one literally pulled me out, of, took me from one one stretch, one beat, pulled me down onto the next beat. I thought we were going to finish up in Edge. <laughs> just, I just couldn't put brakes on it. It's it just in, Unbelievable strength and power. I don't, there's just something about him in Iceland. I don't know if it's you know, clarity of water, it being cold, it being highly oxygenated. They don't have to travel as far from the feeding grounds to get back into the water. But you walk, you walk into an eight-pound fish in, uh, in Iceland and you actually think you've got a 12, 13-pound fish on your hands. You need to be fit then. You need to be able to run. <laughs> yeah. Well, before, yeah, yeah. before we, that comes on to something I want to chat to you about, actually, before we go on to uh, your Iceland trips... You used to be a footballer, yeah, professor footballer. Yeah, I played through all the way through youth system at Sheffield Wednesday, and then I actually were full time when I first left school. Yeah, I just and then I just spell at Barnsley. And actually, I just spelled down at Newport, but uh, probably about twelve operations on my left knee. Uh, but paid to that that career. What was that Not like? Cause it must have been a buzz to be able to play for a team professionally in front of good crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, well. To be fair, I only sort of had a couple of run-outs with first team, like pre-season and that. You know what I mean? So I didn't get. I got an injury early on in, in my career, and it's I lost some movement in that knee. So oh, it sort of, it sort of kiboshed my career. But yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was at school, I was capable, but I just weren't interested because I knew that I was signing professional when I left school. Yeah, yeah. So, so I just. I had, I had no interest in sports being a massive part of my life I, you know football and then when I packed in with football I, did, I qualified for English triathlon British triathlon team amateurs yeah. so yeah it's, it's been a massive part of my life sport that's why I dare not get into competitive river fishing because I will be divorced if I do <laughs> <laughs> It's just that competitive nature. You've either got it or you haven't. And, I know. Uh, I've, I've got too much. I used to do an awful lot of competition fishing on the lock style, and it was getting yeah, yeah. expensive. But not only that, you know, it's just I, I spend a lot of time in Ireland and a lot of other places. But if I hadn't discovered Ireland, I'd be a wealthy man now. Yeah. I spent so much time and money on that place. But it's money well spent. Yeah, we can't take it with me. And if you enjoy it, why not do it? Yeah. Going back to the football, on, since our last conversation, you, you mentioned your team who you support. Both of us are going to be struggling relegation this yep. year. West Ham and you're an Everton man. Yeah, yeah. I just can't see Everton getting out this time. They'll have a brand new stadium next year, but I think it'll be a championship. That's, that'll be the first time. And Jesus, they've always been in top flight, haven't they, as far as I can remember? Yeah, longest serving club, aren't they, in uh, top flight football. Yeah. So, uh, and we've yeah. got your own manager. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, don't, know, might, I don't know how long for him. <laughs> might, might not be long if he loses many more. No, that's right. I have vouchers available to spend on my online shop to sign prints, plus ghillie kettles and other accessories, or for one of my tuition packages. Plus, I'm now taking bookings for my Corrib Ferox days this season. Back to Iceland now. So you run these trips... Um, how often and how, how long have you been doing them? Probably into I've done uh, done salt before, but probably into Iceland for about the last five years in That's Iceland. It. I have a regular week on the 
West Ranga or able regular days on the West Ranga. And then last year, they also fished Erfos waterfalls, waterfalls and the uh, Alsa. So, uh, yeah, it's the thing is, like with, with salmon fishing, uh, Kerry, if you have that week, you get that week off of the year after. So getting onto a prime week is hard to do. Once you've got that week, you're always offered that week. You know what I mean? But the prices have gone up ridiculously, um, ridiculous amount prime time in, in Iceland this year, like 35% increase for a prime week in Iceland this year. Wow. Yeah, we've changed our week. I've dropped it from July because it was just too expensive. Um, we've dropped it into August now. The thing is, I've noticed with Iceland, because I've been, I've been twice, and the first time I went, I couldn't get over because you got these known rivers like the West Ranga, which are like the, the big, they're known for the salmon rivers. When I went, I went to the trout rivers. Like you got the Laxar up north, Laxar, Araldal, I think it's called, if I pronounce it right. And um, the Tunga float down south and a few of the rivers. I spent about 10 days there. And the funny thing was, those rivers compared to the salmon rivers were like, oh, there's no comparison in the price. It was like, yeah, yeah. A massive difference. But you can still catch... I was having salmon, the bigger salmon I had was 14, and sea trout, no end, up to £10. And they don't class yeah. those as the um, the quality waters, you can see. They're mainly trout waters. The Alsa is quite... It's just below the Ranga, but there's some like little inlets that come back at islands where you'll get fish holding up, and it's more like switch rod or single-handed, so it's a nice change. It's more tactical. It's a bit technical. So I quite like that, yeah. But um, the Erfos waterfalls were unbelievable when I fished last year. Uh, there's, I think there's something like four times as much water comes over that waterfall than goes over that big waterfall on the West Randa. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And where I was fishing, <clears throat> you had to basically make a cast and then you... I had to ice stick the line to keep it off the waves coming over at waterfall wow. and then run it, run it through. But, but when you up the fish, the waterfall were like an horseshoe. Imagine an horseshoe. So as soon as you up the fish, first thing it does, it runs right into the throat at waterfall. And uh, a guy filmed me uh, landing a fish there and I had to climb around rocks and up onto a big ledge to turn its head and pull it out and get the, and, uh, the guy netted it in the middle of some rocks. It was unbelievable to, to watch when I, when I look back on it, just what we had to do to get a fish out. But really, really powerful water, really fit fish. And that river is not a stock fish, so they're all wild fish that run through that river. Where the East Ranga, the West Ranga, they have a ranching policy on there. They breed them on. So they are, when you go to East Ranga or West Ranga, uh, you'll see like these little outlets that side at river. They sort of probably maybe get about half a dozen cars in them, and they've got aerators in. And what you do, if you catch a fish on the Ranga, and it's 85 centimetres from Kaip to Vioctail, the uh, they replenish you with smoked salmon, but you put it in a cage on side of water, and then every few days they come and empty this cage, and that's what they do, they strip them, and they oh, breed them on. Right. And that's, that's next year's fish, because the bottom of the river, Kerry, is basically, it's like walking down a beach at... Uh, in Tenerife, it's like black volcanic sand. Yeah, yeah. So when when they come to spawn, there's not a lot of places for them to spawn. Yeah. So predation, and you can constantly it's really easy wading, but you can constantly see sand turning over and turning over. So they just get even if they make a red and, and try to lay eggs, they just get washed up in a way. Is it the same as the trout rivers up there? You actually book half days. Yeah, they tend to do, uh, you start on an half day. So most lodges will do half day, day one, but it's long fishing. So it's sort of, you'll be fishing from three o'clock until nine o'clock at night. And then you do a full day, day two, full day, day three, full day, day four, and half day the following day. That's the usual runner uh, time schedule for rods in Iceland on bigger rivers. Oh, is it catch and and kill or catch and release? No, you can kill. Uh, you can kill and you can fetch back, but you all, the only ones you can't kill are the ones that are above 85 centimetres yeah, yeah. because they go into these pens and they yeah. use them for breeding stock for following year. I mean, I'm amazed that our, we, we, 
the Scotland's on its backside for salmon, and I'm, I'm absolutely amazed that we haven't done something to, you know, rectify numbers like like what they do because it's obviously successful. It's a business to them, so it's the farmers that own the land; they dictate price. So if there's no people fishing, then they're not getting their income. Do you know what I mean? So they'll do everything they can to get numbers up every year. So mm-hmm. that's why these. Well, that's why the the ranch fish. So I don't know if it's because sort of gentry in Scotland or wherever don't really rely on their river for an income. So the you know if they get fish, they get fish, and if they don't, it's not a big problem because it's not going to affect their pocket. But over there, it's their livelihood, it's their living. So yeah. that's why the ranch fish, and they want. They want them fish back, you know, every year on year because that's what keeps clients going back. They're spending the money, and obviously, the farmers are getting their cut of it. They've got it right, and they they can see the value in fish. You know, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, bringing people in, and the, it's it's a big industry. And when I was there last, it was a good few years ago, I was there, and I remember I was talking to the guides and that there, and then and, and they were saying there was a hundred mile ban of nets out at sea so that yeah. was given the chance for the fish to come but then and then over here you know they can't see that they think it's the anglers that are at fault you've got to put the fish back I don't think what anglers kill and catch or whatever they do is going to make an ounce of difference it's the nets at sea it makes common sense it's there in black and white for them to see it's been a success <clears> in Iceland it's no, it's no coincidence that you know the when we first were allowed to travel after COVID, I had my best season on salmon, and I put that down to there were no nobody working, no nobody netting, nobody yeah. no trawlers out there, and I had my best season in, in UK for a long time. Yeah, and I and I, I put that down to less nets, less trawlers. Yeah, yeah. I, I was impressed when you were saying about your trips, uh, how organised and thorough you are, because once you've booked on your trip, you run like a WhatsApp group and you keep them updated throughout. League anybody, up. Yeah, yeah. so anybody who comes on one of my trips, so we start a WhatsApp group, uh, I cover everything, uh, equipment, clothing, flies, anything they need to know about lodge, they'll just, they'll post a question in there, I'll answer it, so everybody's, there's nobody going out there blind. We were out there last year, and there was a guy who come out with a destination company. I'm not mentioning no names, but it fetched totally the wrong equipment. His advice was totally wrong. It got everything that I wanted told him to take, yeah. and I don't want I don't want that for my clients. I want them to go out there, and I want them to have the best best possible experience they can. Even down to casting, you know, if they'll come for lessons, and you know, I'll say. I'll use this cast on this certain beat because it works or whatever. And we'll, you know, I have a thing called the only way is spay because if you learn to spay cast, you will definitely up your numbers uh, on fish, whether it be trout, salmon, or whatever. Because I, the amount of people I see walk down a river and then they can't jump in and make a cast when they've got obstructions behind and they're just walking past fish, past superb pools, you know? Yeah. So. For me, spares the way. And uh, I try to drive that home to the guys that are going on trip because there is some tricky areas, but if you're competent spare caster, it's nothing you can't deal with. On the Ranga, you're catching these big salmon and plenty of them, but do you get any trout at all on there? Yeah, I've had, uh, I've had du- double figure plus on, uh, so I've had one about 10, 12 pounds, something like that. Wow. Uh, absolute stunning fish. Colours on on trout out there are unbelievable. How did that fish- come about? So we were fishing on uh, we were fishing on uh, the monument. Anybody who knows uh, the West Rand, we were fishing on monument, and it was it was tough going. There weren't really anything showing. So I said to guys who I know quite well out there. So I said, uh, "There's a free stretch of river just above the lodge, and it's notorious for big trout." Down and what they've done, Kerry, they took a, a bridge down. A, a long bridge that went across this river but they've left the big concrete pillars in the water so you can see it causes like it causes like a riffle at back and you just they're just like hot spots for fish holding maybe only made two or three casts and felt this tug 
the tugs the drug and it it really yeah. it, it was a really aggressive take and uh, I thought it was a salmon and then once it started showing I, re- I realised it were a uh, trout and it was it was probably as as good a looking fish as I've ever caught it was absolutely stunning yeah colours amazing a nice bonus yeah. then you got a photograph of yeah, that yeah. fish by any chance I have somewhere yeah Def- yeah I have It'd be nice to see yeah. that yeah, I'll send you a uh, photo down. But it's strange, you know. You, you bump into them there, but you're not bumping into them throughout river all the time. You've got to be there. But you just you just don't bump into them. Although one of guys last year had had probably one slightly bigger than what I am last year. Well, and then when I went back in September, they actually allow them to start spinning in September, so it, it becomes not totally exclusive to fly water. Yeah. And there were a guy there were a guy there caught one. 20 pounds sea trout. Wow. What is your angle on the strike? People say you wait. You know, this is a delay, isn't it? Do you wait? Yeah, yeah. No, no. If uh, I posted this in uh, a question for the week in Spareworks just to get a, a reaction to what, you know, what people do and to debate it. If I'm honest, as soon as I feel some weight on that line, I lift. I don't, I wouldn't say I eat it hard, I lift into it. And then once I've totally got weighted fish, then I'll just give it a little tug to set to set the hook on. Yeah. I'm but, also conscious that that fish hasn't turned on me when I tug it. So I'll set it, lift into it, feel the weight of the fish, but I like to make, try and make sure that it's facing me before I give it a little tug. I wouldn't want to tug it as it were going back to a lie because there's every chance you might pull it out. What is your biggest salmon? Uh, 20. And where was that from? Ranga? Yeah, uh, no. Uh, sorry, I think it was... Yeah, I've had one off Ranga, which a few years ago, which was just like... Uh, we didn't weigh it, but they measured it. They estimated 20. And I had a big one off River Tay. I think that was 1890, and that one there on the Tay. Have you ever yeah. come down to Wales to fish for the sea trout at night? I haven't, and uh, Alan Reese has invited me down a couple of times, but I get that many offers... <laughs> Kerry, you know, and, and like when I, this year I'm p- potentially going to assess abroad for FFI, so that might be two trips. I've been asked about Malaysia and Italy. I've got my own two two trips into Iceland, my own family holidays. I might be trying to go to Dubai saltwater fishing. I've counted up last year. I think I flew, I don't know if it was 14 or 16 times I flew last year. Wow. You were saying about Dubai, tell me this uh, story. You told me the other day. <laughs> I've got a couple of funny uh, saltwater fishing stories. So I'm in Dubai, and we're, we're staying on the farm, myself and my wife. And uh, I've gone out there, a bit of saltwater fishing and the family holiday. So we laid on some bed, and, and uh, sees all this activity on water. So Bev says to me, you, you, you're, like a, you're like a cat on a tin roof. What's up with you? I said, look at all them fish that are jumping. I said, Della, bait fish underneath. She said, how do you know? I says, because they're coming through the surface. And I says, look at birds feed, trying to feed from above. So she went, you're going fishing tomorrow. You'll get plenty of fishing tomorrow. I went, I'm going to get my rod now. So I nipped up to the room, come back down, strung my rod up. She went, where are you going? I said, I'm going to walk up to the top. And uh, she says, oh, wait a minute. I'll go walk up with her. So walks up beach. I could see this bait ball getting shoved about. Anyway, it started coming towards me. So... Make, made a cast bang I felt the weight of a fish but all of a sudden nothing there so when I pulled in it just obviously it was a toothy critter because it had just gone straight through my line so oh, I quickly no. put yeah yeah so I quickly put a trace on and I made a couple more casts and I started picking needlefish up have you ever caught needlefish? no you haven't they are the smelliest fish ever you know when you catch grilling you can smell grilling on your hands yeah. Well, they are they are a lot lot uh, more smelly than what they are. Honestly, they've got to be smelliest fish in the world. So I release, I'm releasing these needlefish, and then I make another cast, and I thought this is something bigger. And when I got it in, it was a barracuda, uh, and I think what what happened, Kerry, were barracuda were shoving needlefish into beach, into surface, and some more small bait fish, and and feeding on them. So I'm watching my hands, and I'm releasing this barracuda, and this boat pulls around the corner, big red and white boat with security right down the side. 
So my wife says to me, uh, what's your yield, Chris? I went, well, what am I doing wrong, babe? I want to join the fishing line. And, you know, what can I possibly be doing wrong? She went, if I were you, I won't cast again. Look at them. They're all looking at you. And they were all in white ropes. So I brought my rod down. I released this fish, brought my rod down, and we're walking back down beach. And as we're walking down beach, this boat is actually tracking us down beach. And she went, look, they're not, they're not, they're not going. They're not prepared to go. I went, Bev, do me a favour. She went, what? I went, take that hat off. She got an hat on. It was size her umbrella, the sun hat. I says, we might as well, we might as well be walking down beach with a, a, a flare. Yeah. They can spot us a hundred mile away. Anyway, we ming- we got back down to our hotel and we sort of mingled in and laid on the sunbeds and I put Rod underneath and they, they obviously lost us and they pulled away. But that night we were driving off Palm into the city for some, uh, just some shopping. And <laughs> as we're driving off Palm, you know the big motorway signs? You have a motorway that light up. Yeah. This sign was huge and it said strictly no fishing on the palm. Jeez. So <laughs> that wasn't near me. So we were nearly uh, we were nearly banged up abroad on that popular TV programme. You'd have had plenty of time <laughs> to tie flies over the next few years, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't hang about over there. No. Something wrong. No, they're pretty strict, aren't they? Uh, another quick one for you is our fishing in Mauritius. And she said to me, Bev says to me, um, I was out in a boat with a, a, a guy called Dominic Trevano, a real, real character, French Mauritian. And she said to me, I'm going to be on my own all day, aren't I? I went, yeah, it's only one day, Bev, don't worry about it. She went, can I come? I went, if you want to come, come. So she went, I'm not, I, I get, you know what I'm like with boats. So I went, well, not be that far out, Bev, you'll be fine. So she went, all right, I'll come at least, I'll see you somewhere island. So we get, we goes out with this Dominic Trevano. And he, he says to me, when I jumped on boat, he said to me, uh, well, we're going to go out th- approximately 13 miles and there's a sand flat. He says, and we're going to fish off front of there for uh, GTs and other species. So we literally get out roughly 13 miles and this sand flat appeared from nowhere and it was probably about the size of, it weren't even the size of a football field and it's just a sand flat. So pilot pulls boat up he jumps out, I jumps out, throws me rod, and he says to uh, Bev, does Madame want to come and take some photos? So she went, yeah, yeah, I can do. So we gets her off boat, gets her on island. There's myself and him fishing off front of island, and we're picking GT up. There's some sharks on as well, because he's saying, get them in as fast as you can, some black tip reef sharks. So he said, look, well, we're going to move. We've got a few fish, but he says, we're going to move. So when it comes to get back in his boat, he says, does Madame want to come, or does would Madame like to stay here for a while? So she said, uh, well, how long are you going to be? She says, oh, not long. We're just going a little bit further out to fish a reef and we'll, we'll come back and pick you up. So my wife goes, oh, I'll be, Chris, I'll be all right here. I've got some suntan cream and I've got a book. I'll be fine. So we jumps back on boat. We goes out and fishes this reef about four hours later. Oh, no. <laughs> about four hours later, we rock back up on this island. She says to me, I started to panic then. She says, I started doing my desert, desert island dips. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've had a... Uh, a surprise, surprise she's was speaking to you after. <laughs> surprise was full money. Yeah. <laughs> when I introduced her, I introduced her as my first wife, because if we have many more of them, we'll, we'll definitely be number two, <laughs> won't we? <laughs> she doesn't fish, though, no? No, no, it's a good job, isn't it? It's a good yeah. job. No. I bet when she goes and all this with you, she knows that to take lots of books. Yeah, it's listen, it's uh, it's uh, an argument if whether I get an extra rod in or she gets an extra handbag in. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention as well, you've got Spayworks. T- tell me more about that. That's the it's a Facebook page, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a group. I started. I started it in lockdown. Or probably bored and come up with an idea. But the idea were, the concept were to start a group. Uh, and again, I called it Spareworks because I when, when I do a demonstration, I'll say the only way is spay. Improve your spay casting, you'll up your catch rates. And uh, so I thought, yeah, I'll name it Spareworks. And the idea were that it were like an hub where people could come on for, if they want to post the pictures of fish they've caught, uh, I encourage them to put on what Rod Real, Real Online set up, the using, uh, 
if they want to post a question. We've all done it, Kerry. When we first started fishing, we've gone out and bought a, a kit that's not balanced, that don't really do us any favours. Yeah. And it, you can go out there and spend thousands before you start understanding equipment. Uh, I mean, for example, double-handed lines is an absolute minefield for anybody that's new coming into industry or coming into sport. So it was somewhere I wanted where people could come and ask questions without feeling embarrassed or, or post debates. We've had debates on what you mentioned earlier today, where do you play, do you, do you strike, do you lift, do you feel weight, do you let fish run? We've had debates on whether you play a fish with an eye stick or you play it on side with a low stick. And, and you get, it's not just about, I didn't want it to be the Chris Egg show, I wanted it to be, you know, people being able to like bounce ideas off each other and learn. And then uh, I put a couple of pro staff in, Alan Reese, uh, a lad who I know in Iceland, Dagger, Goodmanson, who's very, very knowledgeable. So there's three of us, and it isn't just about us answering questions. It's like there's some very, very experienced fishermen in there and good casters. So they are, they'll offer advice, you know. So if people are looking for, you know, answers on whatever, fly tying, on fishing, on salt, you know, any species worldwide, we've sort of got it covered between us, or there's somebody in that group that will have knowledge of it. So, yeah, it's like a, an open. That we're hoping that it grows, it gets bigger and bigger, it gets more involvement, and uh, so this, yeah, the Facebook page is just called Spayworks, and they'll Spayworks. Find you then, it's yeah. just a group. It's a group. If you check, if it's it's a it's a closed group, but you don't have to ask permission to come in. You just come in. You can, you can be a member. If you just look down, you'll see people. Are, even people are coming on selling kit. So it's it's. Um, I don't think there's anything else out there like it. That what idea. There's nothing where, you know, it's not just about look at this fish I've got, grip and grin. It's more we're there to offer advice and we're there to look at, you know, what other people are up to. It's always interesting, you know. It's not just about one product, product-centric. It's not going to be just about Mackenzie's. You know, there's people coming on and saying, oh, I bought this rod and I've got this line set up and it's working superb. So if a beginner comes on, they might think, oh, I might have a look at that setup. Uh, yeah, Chris has mentioned that Mackenzie Rod, I might try that, but it, it's not being cr- created to be just one product. I just want everybody's input and, and a, a place where people can come, share ideas and learn from each other. The thing is, there's so much on social media, you know, YouTube and different websites and groups, and you know, there's not a lot of credibility in a lot of them, at least with this. Now you've got pro team members and, you know, they know they're going to get somebody then with some, what's the word I'm looking for? Knowledge. Uh, cre- credibility. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and like I said, it's not, it's not like, they're not all Mackenzie guys. There's, there's Alan Reese, uh, who's with Loomis. There's Dagger, who, who fishes 300 days a year. That, that guy fishes 300 days a year. And he's fishing, he guides, he guides in Iceland. And that's where I, that's where I met him. And then he, when season finishes, he goes back to America. And at the minute, he's catching some stunning brown trout, and uh, he fishes for carp a lot. So yeah, he's, there's a lot of knowledge there. But like I said, it's just not down to us three. If pe- if people are not coming back and answering questions that pose, then it's highly likely one of us will have answer. But yeah. there's a lot of lot of talented guys in that group that yeah. that fish. Every, all over the world so they'll they'll offer advice as well well you've obviously experienced a lot of fishing and shows and um, venues but have you got any goals this year uh, just to enjoy I, I just love being on water you know what I mean it's like I'm potentially I've been offered a trip to uh, Argentina back end but it's, it's just how much can you fit into a year yeah. you know so uh that had been new to me because I, I hadn't done it before. So, but I just I just love my fish. I love fishing for different species. Carp on fly, pike on fly, you know. Uh, Drilling trout, sea trout. Come by, sea trout always come by byproducts of fishing for salmon for me. I don't specifically target them, you know what I mean? So, and then yeah. saltwater species, I mean... I, I fished in Kenya for tuna and sailfish 
USA, Snow Top and GT, Queens, Shark, Barracudas in, in Dubai, Mauritius, different species. It, you know, I just, I just enjoy having a fly rod in my hand, experiencing different rivers, different techniques or different waters. Yeah. Well, there's one more question I you left to ask, which I ask everyone. Where would you want to be to make your last cast? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because I enjoy all the species, but it'll probably be at this moment in time home pool on West Ranga. Like last year, we ate the Ranga uh, absolute brilliant time last year and we were about July 20th right well let's hope it's not this no... July the 20th <laughs> yeah there's no guarantees is there with salmon you know what I mean you, it, it, it'll never be same year on year they don't come same time but we absolutely nailed our week last year I've enjoyed the chat and hopefully sometime this year if we can fit it in I'll come up to Chatsworth up your neck of the woods more than welcome to come up and spend a day out river mate I'd love to have a day out water with you that'd be fantastic thanks very much buddy take care Chris if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get over 100 past episodes and weekly podcasts plus photography and exclusive content to join visit patreon.com forward slash casting with kerry jones or see the link on my website casting with kerry jones.com well that's all for now tight lines and don't strike too soon <laughs>